Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. You know, some people come to our church. We have a wide variety of people at our church. We have, we have people from a Baptist background. We have people from a Pentecostal background, a charismatic background. And I always get this question, never fail, what kind of church are you? And you know what I tell them? I tell them we're biblical. We're biblical. We're not a denomination. We're non-denominational, but we use the Scriptures to guide and direct what we teach and the direction the leadership takes in the church, and hopefully you're catching on to some of that. But I find that the Holy Spirit, subject of the Holy Spirit, is one of the most controversial things you can talk about today. And, and a lot of it is because there is confusion. And some people are even scared. Whenever they hear the Holy Spirit, they're like, oh my, based on past experiences. And I want to tell you something today. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in the church, the church would be dead. You need to know that today. So don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You need to welcome the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit does so much, including drawing us into a relationship with the Lord, washing us, regeneration. That's on another message. Another reason I wanted to do a series on the Holy Spirit is many people don't know what to think of the Holy Spirit because His title is the Holy Spirit. So people say, is He a person? Is He God? Is He an impersonal force? There's many denominations today, some denominations, shouldn't say many, but some denominations, some cults, will teach that the Holy Spirit is nothing more than an impersonal force that God uses to accomplish His will. In fact, the Watchtower magazine, which is the Jehovah's Witnesses magazine, this was lifted out of one of their, their magazines, the Watchtower. This is what they said of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a person, and it is not a part of a trinity. The Holy Spirit is God's active force that He uses to accomplish His will. To a certain extent, it, is what they say, it can be likened to electricity. And there's some Christians, there's some Christians that actually look at the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force. And again, I think it's a lack of teaching. I think it's a lack of teaching. Jesus teaches extensively on the work of the Holy Spirit in John's Gospel, chapter 14 through 16. The context of those words that Jesus speaks is the final hours of his life here on earth. In chapter 13, he's at the Last Supper. He washes the disciples' feet. Then chapter 14 comes along, 15 comes along, 16 comes along. And what, what he says in these chapters really are the final hours of his life here on earth before he's crucified, before his crucifixion. 
And it's in the context of Jesus telling them that He's going to go away. He's going to go away. He's got to go. He's got to go be crucified. Even though He talked about the resurrection, taught about the resurrection, they just weren't really grabbing it. And so their hearts were troubled. That's why in chapter 14, in verse 1, you see, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Their hearts were troubled at this time because of what Jesus was telling them. And then he goes into this teaching on the Holy Spirit. He goes into this teaching on the Holy Spirit, which is so crucial to you and me today. And the first point I want to bring to your attention is the Holy Spirit is in fact a person. Is in fact a person. Not an impersonal force, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, what I want you to do here, we're going we're to go through some pronouns, but what I need you to understand is that if you don't believe He's a person, if you don't look at Him as a person, then you're not going to have a personal relationship with Him. Does that make sense? You only have personal relationships with people, right? With a person. With a being, right? You don't have a relationship with a bush. If you see your neighbor talking to a bush out in the front yard, then there's probably some serious issues. Unless the bush is burning and there's a voice coming out of it. Then there probably is a reenactment of Moses. God's calling somebody to do something. But, but the Holy Spirit is a person. You need to grab this because my belief is that you also need a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're going to see why as we go through this message. But the Holy Spirit, we often speak of having a personal relationship with Jesus, having a personal relationship with the Father. Now that is valid. And that is absolutely right and true, but not many people will see the Holy Spirit on the same level. As I said, when we go through this message, I think a lot of it's going to make sense to you. But I want you to see how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. Now pick up in verse 15. Verse 15, he says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father Um, That's interesting, pray the Father. Generally, when we use pray, the term pray, we would say, I pray to the Father. Jesus would say, I will pray to the Father. But the word used there is the same word that's sometimes used, ask. So you could legitimately say, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. That He, see that? There's a personal pronoun there that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees, what? Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and He will be in you. Now I want you to look at verse 26 of chapter 14. But the helper, that's the second time that word helper is used. I'll get to that in a minute. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now look at chapter 16. Or chapter 15. I want you to see verse 27. Or actually 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. 
But when the helper, that's the third time Jesus uses that term. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. Now look at chapter 16, verses 7 to 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. Verse 8, and when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look at verses 13 to 15 now. However, when He the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are Mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I want you to know in contradiction to the Jehovah's Witnesses who say the Holy Spirit is an it, Jesus nor the Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as an it. Always as he or his title, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person. That's why. That's why you look at Jesus as a person, you look at the Father as a person, you just don't see them as God, right? You see them also as person because they're personal, they're personal. Now, theologians have come up with this, that, that, that the real you is not the flesh and blood. That's not your flesh and blood. The real you is what dwells in what we call your earthly tent, your earthly tabernacle, your body. Okay? Just slap yourself real quick and know that you have a body, right? But we, we house what is the real us. The real you is the soul. The real you is the soul. That, that's why when you die, that's why when you pass away, that this shell becomes inanimate and your soul departs. Okay? Now they said the soul, this is what a soul is, is made up of a mind, will, and emotions. That's what makes a person, is a mind, will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit has those personal characteristics that we would say of you. That the Holy Spirit is a person, why? Because he has personal characteristics that the Bible tells us about. So, so as sure as you are a real person, because you have a mind and a will and emotion, the Holy Spirit has characteristics of that too. Okay, first he has a mind. He has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind. We know this because the scriptures tell us this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, it says, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit in him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, a mind thinks. You have a mind. You, you're able to rationally think. You're able to logically think. You're able to systematically think. If you've been through school and you've been through 
math and you're able to do algebra, geometry, trigonometry, all of that good stuff, it means you are able to think because you have a mind. You have a mind. Now, I know some would probably argue with you on that, but nevertheless, you do have a mind. And you were able to think. You were able to think. You were able to calculate. You were able to plan. Well, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a person that has a mind too. The Bible tells us that. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, 27, specifically refers to the Holy Spirit's mind. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The mind of the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, we know, has a mind. And that's encouraging to me today because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And I want to know what God thinks. I want to know the mind of Christ. We talk about that often, don't we? If I only had the mind of Christ. And you do. You have Christ living in you through the Holy Spirit. And I'll get to that in just a second. But not only does the Holy Spirit have a mind, the Holy Spirit has a will as well. He has a will just like you and me. When we talk about our will, we often say it's our desires. When you have your children do something, if you bring them into correction, you're having them do according to your will, according to your desire. And the Holy Spirit has a will too. He's not just some impersonal force that is directed by God and whatever God says He does, He has His own will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now that's talking about the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Trinity is recognized there too in 1 Corinthians 12 when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. We see God mentioned. We see the Lord mentioned. But when it comes to distributing to the body, the gifts that build up the body of Christ, the gifts that, that edify the body and make the church what it's supposed to be. It brings it into maturity, brings it into a position of being a threat to darkness. It is talking about the Holy Spirit distributing those gifts. Now you can desire gifts, but the Holy Spirit is still going to give according to His will and according to His desire. Do you understand that? So He has a will just like you do. He has a will. He's not only got a mind, He not only calculates, He not only plans like you and I do, but He also has a will and He's going to distribute gifts among the body according to His will. He also has emotions. The Holy Spirit also has emotions. Only a person has emotions. A person can grieve. A person can be sorrowful. A person sheds tears. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it talks about the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, so we see that it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that you and I understand that. We've experienced that. If you've got children, you've experienced that, right? Your children don't always make decisions that bring joy to your heart. There's sometimes they make decisions that grieve our heart. How many have kids in here? Anybody ever been grieved by the decisions of your kids? Okay, so maybe five or six of you have. 
That means they're still in the nursery. Wait till they become teenagers. <laughs> but we know what that means. When we lose somebody, uh, we, we grieve, don't we? And so we understand what it means to have a sorrowful heart. We understand what it means to have a grieving heart. We understand what it means when other people make decisions that bring grief to our hearts. The Holy Spirit grieves too. The Holy Spirit grieves too, that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. I know you, you probably have seen that scripture before, but how many of you have actually ever thought of grieving the Holy Spirit? Grieving the Holy Spirit, okay? Not only does the Holy Spirit have emotions and a mind and a will, but the Holy Spirit also fulfills personal responsibilities. He fulfills personal responsibilities. So we know that the Holy Spirit, just like you have responsibilities and you do tasks and you do things as a person and you understand what you're doing, the Holy Spirit also fulfills personal responsibilities. One, He teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches, which is a good thing. Listen to what the Scriptures say, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit, one of His roles and responsibilities in the believer's life is also to teach us, to teach us. He teaches you and me. Now, whenever you're having a problem in school, how many have ever had a tutor before? You ever had a tutor before? I did. I had one, even when I went to seminary and I was taking Greek classes, I couldn't grab it. And I had a tutor that would sit alongside of me and he would teach me things I just didn't understand. And we do that for our kids sometimes, don't we? If they're struggling in a subject, maybe they don't fully grab math, maybe they're not understanding science, maybe they're not understanding history, whatever it may be, we will oftentimes give them a tutor to help teach them. My kids come to me all the time and ask me math questions. And I say to them over and over and over again, I say to them, if it's not addition and it isn't multiplication, do not bring it to me. And here they're growing up. They're growing up. They're getting older, so their math is getting more difficult. And they're into stuff like geometry and trigonometry. And they still come with that same question. Dad, can you help? Look, if I couldn't help you in fractions... <laughs> But see, the Holy Spirit, here's what the Holy Spirit does for you and me. He's our personal tutor. He teaches you and me. So when you open up the Bible and you begin to read the Scriptures, you know what? The Holy Spirit will illuminate things in your life and illuminate things that are true. There's some things that we just don't fully grasp theologically, right? And we begin to grow just like somebody would go from you know, simple addition to fractions, to geometry or algebra, whatever, as they grow. But the Holy Spirit has everything to do with that growth. And the Holy Spirit takes difficult theological truths and they make sense to us. You ever hear somebody explain something that just is, it's this high, you know, and lofty truth about some theological, you know, justification, for instance. Sometimes people have a problem with justification. And then you got the guy trying to explain it to you. And then you get some guy walk up and just say, oh, yeah, justification, that's 
To be justified before God, it's just as if I didn't do it. Declared innocent. Oh yeah, and this guy took forever to explain it, but here it is, simple, because you can understand even deep theological truths in God's Word because the Holy Spirit teaches us. I can't tell you, friends, how many times in my own personal life when I was reading the Bible and I just could not grasp a Scripture. And I'm like, man, that does not make sense to me. There was one in John 21, John's Gospel, chapter 21. I can't get into it now. But for the longest time, it didn't make sense to me. And one day, the Lord revealed that to me. One day, the theologians were divided. The commentaries were divided. And it just did not make sense to me. And I believe God does that continually in the life of a believer if you allow Him to. He not only teaches, but He also directs. The Holy Spirit directs our lives. Did you realize that? Listen to these scriptures in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, when Philip leads the eunuch to the Lord and then baptizes him. Look at this. Then the Spirit did what? What did the Spirit do? Said to Philip, said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. He specifically spoke It doesn't say Jesus spoke to him. Doesn't say that the Father spoke to him. But it was the Spirit that spoke to Philip to give him direction to tell him what to do with that eunuch. Now listen to this scripture in Acts chapter 13 when the leaders were gathered together and they're fasting and praying. Listen to what verse 2 says of Acts chapter 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, there it is again, said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. The Holy Spirit, that's interesting because the Holy Spirit says that I have called them in that passage. The Holy Spirit says I have called them and separate for them. And so I don't know how Jehovah's Witnesses rectify electricity with that. Last time I checked, my Light sockets weren't saying, hey, Walter, plug in the light. You know, that type of thing. But here you got specific examples in the Scriptures where the Holy Spirit is speaking. An impersonal force cannot speak to you. Only a person can. Okay? Acts 16, listen to this. This is a good one. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I mean, doesn't that sound like it should be the thing to do to preach the word? I mean, here's Paul. He's getting ready to go into the region of Asia. And in Paul's mind, they need the gospel. Come to find out they got it later. But at that time, that was not God's direction for them in their life. They were not to go into Asia at that time. And the the Holy Spirit actually forbid them to preach the gospel in Asia. Do you see how the Holy Spirit directs the lives of believers? He does that in our life today. Now, we divide God's will into two categories. We have the general will of God, right? The general will of God. The general will of God is revealed in His Word. That you can know God's general will in your life by reading the Bible, but you cannot know the specific will of God from the Scriptures. 
They're the parameters, and they keep you from thinking way too outside the box and getting wild with the plans of God. The Scriptures become our parameters, and they become the borders for us. But within those parameters, within those borders, man, God is doing a lot in the life of a believer. Let me give you an example of this. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.